0: Today, February 21, 2018, this is Born to Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen today. If you're someone that listens week in and week out, thank you so much for your dedication. Uh, if you're new to the program, I hope you enjoy it. This is a uh, it's a fun program for me to do. as I get to talk to a lot of cool veterans from around the space and tell you more about the about what's going on at VA and the VSO community the veteran community uh, it's a lot of fun so thank you for tuning in If you enjoy it if you like what you hear uh, I'd really appreciate a ratings and review in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice whatever you listen to your favorite podcast just uh, you know give us a give us a little review a little feedback and' it's, uh, it's greatly appreciated. And then that then, of course, helps us in the algorithms of promotions so we can reach more people organically. Uh, really appreciate that. This week, Stephen Weintraub, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Vettix, V-E-T-T-I-X, that's Vettix, uh, also known as the Veteran Tickets Foundation. That's, uh, that's its long form. It's a nonprofit that... Provides tickets to entertainment, to sports, to uh, just about anything that requires a ticket to get into uh, and provides those tickets to veterans. They get donated tickets from venues and promoters and season ticket holders. And other people that have tickets that they don't want to go to waste, or they want to, uh, they want to give in, in honor of veterans. And so, uh, what VetTix does is it provides a platform which veterans can sign up at and then uh, request tickets. Uh, there's open open seat tickets where uh, first come first serve. There's high demand tickets where you enter a lottery and you get selected. Uh, but all you, you just pay a you pay a processing fee, and that's it. It's, Vettix was originally conceived at Super Bowl 10 years ago. Their founder was at the game, saw a couple unused seats, and wondered what if seats like that went to veterans and service members that were interested in attending the game. And here we are 10 years later. VetTix is still going strong. They actually sent someone to this last Super Bowl, uh, and Steven's going to tell us more uh, about the organization, about other events, big events they've gotten a chance to send uh, veterans and service members to, how you can sign up, how you can get involved, how you can take advantage of this. Really cool service, and really glad to share their story with you. Enjoy. (music) There are nearly two million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care and women's health specialty care. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. Visit
1: www.va.gov slash women vet. This is this is it. You're going to see me. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, uh, after this, I get on a plane and go home.
0: <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, if only all of my guests would take that this seriously. I I,
1: I am I am very happy to be here. I'm yeah. excited to be here. So no, uh, here in town to meet with different uh, veteran organizations, veteran service organizations that we have strategic partners with, yeah. and some that we don't because we want to meet with them and, and talk to them face to face about about our mission, about their mission, and you know, how we can co- collaborate and, and really help the veteran space overall in what our mission does, what their mission does.
0: Yeah, perfect. So we start all interviews with the one thing that all veterans have in common, and that's the decision to join the United States military. Do you remember that decision for you?
1: Yeah, I do. And, um, you know, I, I tongue-in-cheek say it was that or go to jail, but that was, uh, that's, that's not the case. Um, but, but for me, it as corny as it sounds, uh, I, I'm a patriot and as, as a kid in high school, um, I, I, I wanted to serve. My, my father served, he was in the Marines, he wasn't a career guy, did three years, got out, went to college, got his education. Um, I, my grandfather, his father was in the Navy, served in World War II, and uh, my, my father had no influence, or, or, or I would say, he didn't say you're going to join the military or you're going to do this. He said, if you want to be a trash collector, just be the best you can be at that. So, yeah. uh, so. But for me, hearing his stories about being in the military and, uh, and and serving really had an impact on me. And and really, like I said, I wanted to serve my country and give back to um, to my country. And 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 my story is 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 not unique or it's not special. Grew up in upper middle class. Um, and but I, I just wanted to be a part of something bigger than me. And and I looked at all the services and what I originally wanted to do in the service and but I, I decided on the Marines, partly because of my dad, but he never said you're gonna join the Marines. So that's I, I you know, selfishly I want to join the best, um, so, um, and I, and I know a lot of people will start rolling their eyes right yeah. now. But but for me, that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be challenged, so I enlisted while I was in college in in the reserves, and I was an undergrad at Arizona State University, and, and I enlisted in the Marine Corps uh, during the summer, and but with full intentions of becoming an officer because I wanted to fly, I wanted to fly jets. Um, very sexy things like that yeah but uh so went through the officer program got got picked up for the officer program at at, and officer candidate school went through all that graduated got my commission and then um i went down to flight school and i realized that uh flying being a being a pilot that that's really as cool as it is and as sexy as it is it's it's I realized that's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to lead Marines. I wanted to lead people more than I wanted to fly. So it was a tough decision for me to to change direction and become a ground officer. I did it, and I've had no regrets since. So, and, and the cool thing is, is that the, the impact that I've had on on the Marines that I've led, that I've served with throughout my 30 plus year career, I'm currently in the reserves right now. So, uh, and, and I still, run into some of these guys in in town where I live in, in Phoenix or we're on social media and sometimes I'll get an email or a text from them or like I said I'll run into them and they'll say they'll, they'll mention something that I had absolutely no recollection of but it made an impact on them yeah. and, and so that's that's very neat.
0: you uh, you know that decision between uh, pilot and, and going on to, to lead Marines it's, it's interesting how how purpose and impact still somehow trumps lifelong dreams. You know, like, like you'd been wanting to do this for so long and the opportunity to make a bigger impact and to have a, uh, a truer purpose still was a more uh, driving factor in your decision in your career.
1: 100% and, and, and I wanted, to, I thought I wanted to be a pilot ever since I was knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah, And, but but then as I became uh, more ingrained in the military and in, in the Marine Corps and, and saw what the mission was of the Marine Corps and that's not to say that flying is not necessary aviation aspect because it is, but like you said, for me personally, being, being ground officer and, and having more interaction with, with Marines was, was really what I gravitated towards.
0: Yeah, you, you joked about uh, you, know, you wanted to, to be with the best and that uh, you know, every, all the other branches roll their eyes when Marines make that comment. But I will say, I've talked to thousands of veterans. Marines always make the comment, I wanted to join the best. The other branches don't say that. It is interesting that as much as we get made fun of for making that comment, no one, uh, I occasionally hear people say the world's greatest Navy, right? I hear, I hear that comment about the Navy. Uh, but as far as the U.S. branches, we make the comment, I wanted to be with the best. Like the Air Force rolls our eyes, but then they don't come out and say, like, I joined the Air Force to be with the best, right? They don't, they don't make that comment. So uh, it's just an interesting observation I've had in interacting with, you know, thousands of veterans in my, in my time.
1: Well, so, silence is consent. But, but <laughs> however, comma. I, I have served with all the different yeah. branches in, in liaisons and joint and things like that in schools and uh, I've served six months on a Navy ship and I have tremendous respect for all the other branches yeah, and, of course. and we have those intra-service rivalries and, and things like that and yeah the Marine Corps is the best roll I <laughs> roll but um, but the Air Force is amazingly efficient yeah. and competent at what they do and they've got such a broad spectrum of mission, as does the army and the the Navy and the Coast Guard. So I mean we we are the best uh, America overall our military is the best but um, I I wanted to be the yeah. best of the best
0: and like I said it's all it's all fun in, in, in the branch rivalry um, but in the end we all recognize that we're all part, it's one team one fight
1: uh, absolutely uh, yeah. because because the Marine Corps cannot do what the Air Force does or what the army does and yeah. and, and that's where you've got to distill it down and and yeah there's those rivalries or things like that but uh, our, our U.S. military overall is is so amazing, yeah. and uh, it's 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 a great time to be not only in the military but be a veteran yeah. and and to to be proud of your service.
0: Tell me about a uh, a close friend or a great leader that you had while you're in the military. You can choose either one, but tell me about that person.
1: Okay, well, a great leader. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it down. Okay. And uh, General Dunford. I worked for General Dunford. Okay. When he was a three star. Yeah. And. He is wickedly, wickedly smart. And uh, at at the time, he was the commander of the 1st Marine Expeditionary Force, and he was the um, uh, commander of, you know, the Marines in, 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 central command. And so he was wearing two hats and I was with, I was attached to the first Marine expeditionary force, one MEF, And he would come into some of our, our meetings, our operational planning team meetings. And we would kind of brief him on, on our plans on, on the plan. And he would just walk in there and say very off the cuff. Oh, well, by the way, don't forget about this or that, or point to the map and be like, because You know, the adversary has these things over there, and so a guy like that just is so smart and so crafted at what he does, so amazing amount of respect and admiration for for that man.
0: Yeah. The name of the program is Born the Battle, Um, but, you know, some veterans see literal combat. Others have other challenges and sacrifices that that they make during their, their service. Uh, can you tell us about an experience that, that you may have f- dealing with some sort of diversity and how you dealt with it?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I can go back to two thousand three in in Iraq, yeah. and we, my, I was a company commander, I was a major, and I had a bulk fuel company reserve company out of Phoenix, Arizona. So you had these these Marines that all knew each other um, very well, and we. We got, the, we got the notice that we were going to deploy, and this was before the war started. So for some of these kids, a lot of these kids, they were very excited, but for others, there was a lot of nervousness, trepidation, things like that, and then when we got in country, we got into Kuwait, and we started to get set up, and had a couple kids that, uh, that were like, I can't do it, I-, I can't do it. And so you've got one or two of these that are really kind of slowing down the the leadership in this case, the operations were, were going, but from the leadership perspective, as a commanding officer and my executive officer, we had to work with this, uh, this individual. And um, overall, he, we were able to calm his fears and get him back into the right mindset without telling him he was a coward or, or anything like that. But as a leader, uh, and fear of the unknown, but I mean, for those that have, uh, have gone into battle, or that have prepared to there's a lot of unknowns and uh, and that's why I'm just I mean I'm thankful for for what I have because there's a lot of a lot of those out there that that never made it
0: How did the, how did the spectrum of your service go were you did you initially join the reserves or were you active duty for a chunk of that or how did
1: So I, I when I enlisted I joined the reserves but then okay. when I got commissioned I I was active duty okay. so I was, I was on active duty for about I had a four year contract, but I got an extension for, I was on active duty for about five, five and a half years. And so this was the tail end of Desert Storm right. as my, as the end of my contract was coming up. And so I didn't have, back then a regular commission, I had a reserve commission. I wasn't a reservist, but I had a reserve commission, so I had to compete for, for augmentation or retention. And and so this was after Desert Storm, so this was 95, huge purge in the military. So I was not even afforded the opportunity to, to stay on, to basically extend my contract. So right. uh, the decision was made for me that I couldn't stay on active duty anymore. So, but what I did was I stayed in the reserves, uh, f- f- and I've been in the reserve since, and during that period I've been mobilized three times on active duty, two of them going to Iraq, yeah. so 30, 30 years, just over 30 years now.
0: When, um, you know, when, when they started ramping up operations, you know, after September 2001, um, did, did you have the opportunity to go active duty again, or, or were, you, were you content with being in reserves at, at that point? Well, I, I,
1: at that, after, after 9-11, I think every reservist was clamoring yeah. to, to go active duty, and, and that's where after, shortly after that happened, my boss, who was a, I was a major at the time, my, my boss was a lieutenant colonel, and, and he was like, Steve, get, get the guys ready not exactly sure when or where but there's probably a good likelihood that we're going to get mobilized based on the uh, the plans yeah. so and that was 01 and we got mobilized in 03 but from 01 to 03 it, it, we took our training very seriously sure. that that weekend training and so and it was really in 2003 where we got we all got mobilized on active duty and and started ramping up stateside and then eventually went forward to Kuwait and then into Iraq.
0: Yeah, something I like to, to ask people that were in the military during that event, and, and, and I'm interested to see what your perspective was in the reserves. Can you tell me about just what your your little pocket of the military that you were in at the time? What what did you see in the noticeable difference between September 10, 2001 and September 12,
1: 2001? What, what I saw was, it was a wake-up call for for a lot of people in the reserves, and and I'm sure all branches. But within my world, in, especially in the Marine Corps and the Navy, because we have corpsmen attached to us. Uh, prior to that, we we do our weekend, one weekend a month, two weeks out of the summer, and and the, these you know, these guys and girls are very professional at, at what they do, and they take it seriously. But but you know September 12th it, it was it was a different mindset people were looking through a different aperture yeah. and and they were taking it a lot more serious about what they were doing uh, their mission and and who they were and what their purpose was
0: yeah um so then uh and you can fill the gap between um you know uh then and now uh, but tell us about how you got uh, involved with with VetTix.
1: How I got involved with VetTix was I. They VetTix started in 2008, March of 2008. So we're we're coming up on our our 10 year anniversary, which yeah. is which is super cool. So we've we've been around now for just about it's, 10 years. It's hard,
0: Yeah, it's hard to believe. I feel like. I feel like I remember seeing. I don't remember seeing it like sort of hit the scene when it started, but I remember seeing it when it started getting popular about five, six years ago, when people started catching on to the value that it had. Um, it's hard to believe that it's been around for ten years now. That's
1: it's it's crazy. Time, yeah, it, time flies. Yeah, and so when when VetTix first started, started in in, in Phoenix, uh, local in, in Phoenix, and so. One of the guys from VetTix, uh, we we were acquaintances on social media. One of the founders, and so we would communicate back and forth about different things because his father was a Marine. He didn't serve. Um, Eddie Roush, who's our chief operations officer, his his dad was in the Marines, and he had some questions about uh, getting some stuff uh, from his dad's records and things like that. So I helped him out with that, and so ever since then, I've I've kind of helped out VetTix and. I wasn't working for them at the time, but I was like, hey, here's a great organization, a great cause, and anything I can do to, to help these guys out, I'm happy to. So that if that was connecting them with the right people in the military or veteran space or uh, things like that, I was happy to do that. So we, we built a relationship over time. And then maybe about four years ago, we, we, we would meet more frequently and we would joke, they would joke about, yeah, one day when we bring you on, so I was like, okay, I was pretty excited about that, but when when the time was right, when they were ready. So about two years ago, the, our CEO Mike Focoretto, who was veteran of the day on Super Bowl Sunday That's this right. year, thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, um,
0: yeah, it was a, you know, we like our veteran of the days to be topical when they can be, um, and uh, you know, our friends over at ScoutComs told us about the the story behind, you know, how the how vet tech started with. The empty seat at the Super Bowl, and you know, inspired to to provide unused seats to veterans, and I was like, this is this is a good story. People will appreciate this, and so um, you know, we we need a veteran every day for Veteran of the Day, so we, we're at no shortage of days to put uh, to you know, and so but when we have a, a topical. Uh, one we always like to like to use it so yeah and, and people uh, people enjoyed that
1: and, and we are very appreciative that number one you you selected Mike and number two that it was on Super Bowl Sunday yeah. because it was a bookend and, and Mike is very humble and he he appreciated it but yeah. he felt that he was just like a lot of other veterans just doing his job, doing and, his job. and things like that but so Mike Mike texted me and he was like, hey, Steve, we're, we're looking for a strategy guy. Are you interested? And um, I, I was like, a- absolutely. So we, we got together, we had lunch, and he was like, we want to grow the organization to, to the next level. And you're the guy we thought about. For, for doing it based on our conversations with you and things like that. So the decision for me was super easy. And, and I, prior to that, I'd worked in the veteran space, I'd worked at the Arizona Department of Veteran Services, done a lot, I worked at Student Veterans of America. And so I was pretty, pretty well versed in the veteran space, not only locally in Arizona, but but nationally. Yeah. So I came aboard as the chief strategy officer about two years ago and uh, to, to help grow the organization. And so from a growth perspective, now, currently snapshot in time, we're at over 710,000 members, and uh, this, this past Sunday, in, in February, we, we distribute our four millionth ticket.:
0: Oh, that's cool. yeah, that's a nice milestone.
1: Um,
0: so I, uh, just before the interview, I told uh, I give the audience a, a brief synopsis of what VetTix offers, but I'll let you expand on that a little bit more. Uh, to people that are unfamiliar, what exactly does VetTix offer?
1: Great, great. So Veteran Tickets Foundation, VetTix, it, we're a nonprofit, we're a 501c3, and what we do is we provide free event tickets to, to veterans, to service members currently serving, so that includes guard and reserve, to immediate family members of those, those service members that were killed in action, and we provide them with free event tickets and those events can be concerts they can be ball games they can be concert or symphony events performing arts could be kids things puppet shows plays museums things like that and we provide this service because we wanna we wanna say thank you to to our veterans and those that have served and this is a way to do that because when you're when you're serving or as a veteran, you've you've gone through some stress in your life, uh, and that, that's not to say, not everybody. I mean, everybody has. But no. you served your country in some capacity, and you have to be honorably discharged to be a, a ticks member. You have to be honorably discharged veteran, or currently serving. So it's it's a way for us to send you to an event with your friends or family, and for a couple hours a day, just take your mind off of the stressors of life or things like that. Maybe you were deployed and you are away from your family for a year or six months or whatever. So this is a way to rebuild those relationships, make up for lost time and, and really just for a couple hours a day, just, just forget about everything else. Yeah. And so the cool, like I said, we're a nonprofit. So a lot of these tickets that we get are donated. And they're donated by, by teams, by sports teams, by, by venues, by promoters, uh, by private donors. Sometimes, hey, I've got these tickets. I'm a season ticket holder and I'm not going to use them and I don't want to put them online and sell yeah. them and whatever online ticket broker. So I'm going to donate them to VetTix. And, and so the thing there is because we're a nonprofit, those that are taxed, don- yeah. That yep. me be my question. Yeah. Yeah. So, as a private donor, maybe you're not going to use your 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 tickets, so you donate them to VetTix, and you get an in kind gift receipt for the face value of those tickets. Yeah. And Live Nation Entertainment is our biggest donor, and we are so grateful for organizations like Live Nation, and we've got other very big donors as well. But Live Nation really believes in VetTix and our mission and what we do. So they they've been so supportive of us throughout you know, the years and, and very much most recently. So we're very grateful for, for their ticket donations. And once again, that enables us to send these veterans and service members. And the cool thing about it is is that let's say you're a caregiver of a veteran and maybe you're a family member, maybe you're not. So get that veteran to sign up if they're not already signed up. And that veteran can then go ahead, put in for tickets, get tickets. And maybe that veteran doesn't want to go to the event or whatever. So that veteran can give those tickets to to the caregiver. Or maybe the caregiver brings takes that veteran to that event. So it's it's really a, a multifaceted way of taking advantage of what we provide.
0: How So um, is it first come, first serve on the availability? Is it... Do we enter a pool on, like, if, if there's 20 tickets available and 50 veterans inquire, uh, how are they distributed?
1: Great question. So it's what we call the A-list events, and those are the more popular events, we have a lottery system. Okay. And so when you sign up, you, you submit your information, and then you'll start getting daily emails about events in your local area. And so, but what you can do is you can put in a couple different areas because let's say you live in, in, you know, here in DC, but you have a vacation home in Florida or whatever. So you can get notified of events in a couple different locations. But so there's an A-list event, maybe it's a Taylor Swift concert or something like that. And there's going to be more, more demand than we have supply of tickets sure. for something like that. So there's a lottery system. And so you'll get the email saying, hey, the lottery is going to start for... Taylor Swift, and they'll give a time. So you're not taken off guard, and you don't miss that lottery. So you submit the lottery. And it doesn't matter what time you submit during that lottery period. It, it has no impact of your chances. Is
0: one entry per, per user? Or- so,
1: so how it works is, is that one entry per user. However, how you can enhance your chances of winning the lottery, getting selected, is we have what's called Vettixer appreciation coins. And these are virtual coins that have no monetary value. You can't transfer them, you can't buy them. You have to earn them. So when you sign up, as a, as a when you get verified as a VETTICS member, and you have to get verified. So therefore, there's a verification process that we, we verify you're either honorably discharged or yeah. currently serving. Once you get verified, you get about 12 coins automatically. You start going to events and you take a picture of yourself holding a vet tick sign or maybe you're wearing a vet tick shirt yeah. and you send it in to us, We've, we verify that, you get more coins. When you go to an event, you'll get an email a couple days afterwards with a hyperlink saying, you know, hey Tim, we saw you went to XYZ event. Um, if you'd like to share your experience, click on this link. So there's a hyperlink where you can write a testimonial. You do that, you get more coins. So you get incentivized for doing that. And and the reason we do that is because we want our vet tixers to say thank you to our donors, because yeah. these tickets come from someplace and the donors donate these tickets. And what they realize, we've got an eight, over 86% utilization rate. So over 86% of those tickets that our veterans get or vet tixers get, they attend these events. So that's important to our donors because those are butts in seats. Yeah. So you, you can accrue coins that way. Another way to accrue coins is, you join Vettix, you tell your buddies about it, they join. Once they get verified when they sign up, they put in your you, you give them your your Vettixer number or there's a there's a QR code. Once they get verified, you start getting more coins. So you build up coins. So now it's like, hey, I really want to go to this event and I want to enhance my chances. So I'm going to bid, I've got 100 coins. Well, I'm going to bid 50 coins. You can however many yeah. coins. You can bid 1, you can bid them all. So every for every coin you submit that's your name in a hat that many more times. So that enhances your chances. Now, if you get selected, you get an email, it says you've been selected, we take your coins and you have to pay, we have a small transaction fee. And that's really to ensure that you have skin in the game. You pay a couple bucks for something, you're more likely to use it. So once you pay your transaction fee, boom, we we take your coins back and you've got your tickets. If you didn't get notified, if you didn't get selected, you get an email saying, sorry, you didn't get selected. You get your coins back. You get all your coins back. Now, however, let's say I don't have any coins, and I will really want to go to this event, so I put my name in the hat. But I'm not, I'm not. and I'm getting down into the, the weeds here, sure. but, but if you don't have any coins, you're not competing against people with coins. So we really level the playing field to no, make sure that... Not everybody that throws in coins is going to have a chance. More of a chance. I mean, they're going to have a better chance. But people that aren't bidding coins, they're they're in a lottery with people that aren't bidding coins. Gotcha. Um,
0: are you ever? Um, you talked about the eighty-six percent utilization rate. Um, are you ever concerned that like that that you won't be able to fulfill like the? Because I know being able when you get those tickets. What you're giving back to those that donor are butts and seats, right? You're you're giving them attendance. Um, have you ever have you ever found yourself concerned on certain events where like you got a large number of tickets and then couldn't deliver?
1: Y- yes, and, and we are very we're very transparent with our donors. So there's those events that we know that once again they're the A list events. So yeah. we know they're going to get utilized hundred percent. But there's other events that our donors will. We'll donate tickets, and we'll say, "Look, we don't know if we can, we can get all these distributed." And a lot of times, they're like, "We understand that, but we would rather donate them to vet ticks, sure, because we know that what your utilization rate is, and if they're not all used, we're okay with that, because once again, they get a they get a tax write off, whether yeah. whether that they, whether the seats are redeemed or not. But I mean, there's some some events where. It, th- there's a four day event and Friday and, or Saturday and Sunday are the big days. So they won't donate Saturday and Sunday cause they know that they'll max out, but they'll donate for Thursday and Friday cause those aren't as heavy days. And we'll say, look, it's it's Thursday, Friday, not not a lot of attendance. And they're like, that's fine. We just want to give them to you. So okay. we, we, we do have that and we are upfront to, okay. to set the expectation to our donors.
0: Um, do you ever, um do you ever request tickets on the like if a veteran's like oh, I'm looking for tickets for this event? Do you contact that event or what's available on the site is what's available?
1: Great question because we're nationwide. We're we're in all fifty states. Yeah. So there's a lot of different venues out there. There's a lot of different events. If it's minor league baseball or. If it's these these shows or whatever, so well what we kind of tell our vet tickers is, look, if there's an event in your local area that you want to attend, let us know about it. And if you got a contact there, if not, great, but l- let us know so we can we can approach that that organization and because maybe they don't know about us. Yeah. Because what we want to be able to do is create, I say create more events, but create tickets for more events. And a lot of times these these venues or whatever are like, wow, we didn't even know about Vet ticks. We'd love to support veterans. So we build those relationships. So from that aspect, um, yeah, if there's, if there's Vet Tixers out there that in, in the local, in their local areas that they're, they, they don't see, we have tickets for sometimes we just don't get donations. Other times the, the promoters just don't know about us.
0: Yeah. Um, this is this isn't, isn't a question, just sort of an observation. And you, you got the vet ticks lapel pin. Well, we're today. in DC. This yeah. is
1: this is lapel pin central.
0: And that's what I was going to ask: is would you wear that at any other city as often as you would in in DC?
1: When when I when I'm out doing vet VetTix stuff in in different. Oregon cities, it it, it kind of depends, yeah. but I mean, this is uh, this is the company badge, and especially in DC, especially uh, DC. yeah, that's uh, if if you're not if you don't have a lapel pin on, yeah. then, uh you're yeah you're a minority. I was at an event
0: last last week, and it's just so funny to see like every everybody has their logo on their lapel pin. And I, I get it, right? I, I understand the, you know, it's a quick identifier of who you're with and stuff like that. But at the same time, we all know each other. Yeah, yeah. We all know right. where each other are coming from, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And and that's a lot of times when I'm meeting with, uh, in other cities, or yeah. they know who I am. And, and it's funny, though, because especially veterans, we're the worst because back in the day when you were in uniform you you had your 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 ribbons or your badges yeah. on your on your on your chest and and so It's funny now because you see some of these guys and they've got three or four different lapel pins or whatever. And they, you know, they look like, you know, Russian field marshals or something (laughs) like that. But um, but uh, as normally I'm not really a lapel pin wearer. And I mean, because sometimes I don't wear a flag on my lapel. That doesn't mean I'm any less patriotic than anybody else.
0: I wear so I'll get lapel pins from like events or uh, like I have one from the the World War One Centennial event out in Kansas City when they celebrated. I have one from the veteran or from the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund, and I wear those because they always become talking points because yeah, people yeah. know that I'm with VA, and then they see this non-VA pin and they're like, "Oh, what is that? What is it?" And then it becomes more of a talking point instead of me just wearing. Like everybody, everybody around here knows where I work and what I do, right? So yeah, sure, and yeah.
1: and that's that's a great approach. I mean, because some of these pins. Um, ha- i mean these organizations are very unique.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything about VetTix that uh, that we haven't covered that you want to make sure the audience knows about?
1: Really if we that we haven't covered, I mean, if if you haven't if you haven't checked us out, go to vettix.org, v e t t i x.org. Check us out on the upper right-hand corner of our website. You you can create an account, but uh, and and to see the events to to be able to to see that the events we have in your local area, you have to be a member. So you can't you can't go on our site and browse and say, "Oh, okay, I don't really." Yeah. Because we have different events. I mean, there's there's all different events, and like we we talked about. I mean, there was a vet tixer in Minnesota who went to the Super Bowl, two tickets to the Super That's Bowl. That's awesome. Um, and and it was so awesome yeah. that we were able to get Super Bowl tickets that donated. That's super cool. Um, we've had tickets donated to the NCAA basketball final four and to the championship game And it was cool because we there was it was a, a Navy vet who uh, was a school teacher, young guy in his 30s and doesn't make a whole lot of money and He he won the tickets he got selected for yeah. the, for, the, for the championship game that's awesome and he brought his buddy who was a vet So you just never know what kind of event you're going to go to. And it's, it's just so broad. So check out, check out our site. And like I said to it, it doesn't cost anything to join. And if you don't use it, we don't send you an email saying, you know, gee, Tim, we noticed you haven't logged on in a while. You know, if you don't use it, we're going to, you know, kind of close your account because the cool thing is, is that the other guy that won the tickets to the NCAA championship because we had we had two pairs of two donated. So we split them. So the other guy that won was a retired Air Force vet. And he the last event he went to was, I think, in 2011, because we looked at, you know, he got selected, we looked at, his his background. So the last event he went to was like in two thousand eleven, and he had like over three hundred coins. Oh, yeah. So he was banking his coins yeah. and waiting for who knows what. Right. So he he bet the motherload. That's cool. He bet all those coins, and he was he was in disbelief that he won. So it was cool because when our when our COO Eddie and I we got on a call with him, and he was on speaker. He totally thought we were messing with him, and it's like, no, you're X Y Z person, and you live at this place. And he's like, oh my god, I can't believe it. That's so, so cool. Yeah, you, you you just never know. So yeah. yeah, I mean, go go on there, check it out, join. Doesn't cost anything, and it's it's just a really a great way to spend time with your friends and your family, at at some really cool things. Sure.
0: Tell me about uh, an experience or a skill set that you've gained in the military that's contributing to your success today. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, I I think multitasking, I think that's a, that's a pretty easy one, but, and especially in the Marine Corps, what what I do in the Marine Corps and how long I've been in, um, 30, whatever years, Colonel in in the reserves, but throughout that active duty time, um, and, and reserve time, just really, and, and multitasking on, on multiple different. In multiple different facets, because you've got your mission, your your day job, if it's if you're on active duty or reserves, or well your daily life. But then, yeah, you've got other things that that you're involved with, be it family, friends, social, your professional career, maybe hobbies, or maybe just really trying to get ahead. I mean, just trying to improve your 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 quality of life, and then maybe that's through education or other ways. And so the the multitasking aspect, and and really. Being able to balance all those is is very important, and some people are better at it than uh, than others. And I'm no, I'm not an expert. I mean, I'm I'm pretty scattered, as well. And um, but it, I think really that's something that real between that and patience. Yeah, um, patience is another one that I think that if you've served in the military, and if you didn't learn patience in the military, I think I think you were absent that day.
0: Yeah. Um, tell me about a um, tell me about a veteran or a veteran organization aside from VetTix uh, that you're familiar with that has you excited about what they're doing right now.
1: You know, there's 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 a couple that that we um, that we're strategic partners with, and we've got strategic partners that are other veteran organizations that are are nonprofits that that do some really cool things, and that's where with VetTix we don't mission creep. So we don't get involved in policy. We don't get involved in veteran homelessness, suicide prevention, employment, education, because we know that there's other great organizations out there that do that. So that's where we partner with these organizations. And so while I'm in town, this, you know, the next couple days, we're gonna be meeting with uh, with Blue Star Families. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're a great organization, Semper Fi Fund, that help ill, wounded, and injured veterans and and they've got some really great programs that they, they do some great things and so we've got a part we've got a page on our on our website that uh, our strategic partners page where you can click on those and, and and go to their landing pages and see what they do so yeah there's a lot of really really great other organizations out there some that that we partner with others that we don't that we want to and i mean elizabeth dole foundation's another sure. great organization what they do for caregivers uh, so, it, and goes back to that rising tide lifts all boats, and and we want to, we want to make sure that our our members, our vet tickers, are aware of these other great organizations out there that, that's not in our wheelhouse. We don't do those things, but we can point them to quality organizations that can help not only, not only here in DC, but in their communities. Yeah. That's that's important.
0: Absolutely. Steve, I really appreciate your time. Likewise. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you for your service to our country, and then your continued service to veterans through uh, through your work over at Vetex. It's appreciated.
1: Well, and thank you, Tim, and and thanks for for all you do. And and, and 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 I'm not patronizing because you have you and everybody else in this building and the other building have amazing amount of just responsibility jobs. It's I'm sure it's sometimes it's very thankless, but it's, and especially what you do veteran of the day means so much to so many people that um, it's so important. So for everything that you do, that you celebrate the victories and sometimes there's those other days where it's the sun isn't so bright, but you you, you keep on, uh, you keep on marching. So thank you very much for the time, for the opportunity. And congratulations on the studio. It's it's beautiful here. And so I'm um, very fortunate to be here. I served in Vietnam.
0: I served in World War II. I served in Afghanistan. And VA serves us all. No matter when you served.
1: No matter if you saw combat or not.
0: There are benefits for veterans of every generation.
1: See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, Visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov.
0: If you're interested in checking Vettix out, go to Vettix.org. V-E-T-T-I-X.org. You heard Stephen mention Veteran of the Day uh, if you're unfamiliar with Veteran of the Day, each and every day we spotlight a veteran on our all of our social media channels and our blog. Uh, you can search hashtag Veteran of the Day on your social media of choice to see prior postings. Or if you'd like to submit a veteran for Veteran of the Day, if you'd like to nominate somebody, uh, you can email us at newmedia@va.gov at uh, va.gov and just provide us Uh, basic service information for that veteran uh, such as branch years of service uh, where they deployed any tours they're on uh, any notable awards or medals and then a few photos and uh, we'll let you know if we need anything else but we'll get that veteran set set up uh, for a vod in the future this week's medal of honor citation uh, is for albert moore uh, and, you know, as, as we've noticed, as I've been reading through these, some of these are a couple paragraphs. Some of these are one simple sentence. Uh, but it's important to honor each one of these. And it's been interesting uh, to read each citation and see the different reasons that we've um, – see the different events that have led to uh, a Medal of Honor award. Uh, and so this is uh, Marine Corps, Albert Moore. He was the rank of private. Uh, this was during the China Relief Expedition. The year of honor is 1900. Citation reads, In the presence of the enemy during the Battle of Peking, China, 21 July to 17 August, 1900. Although under a heavy fire from the enemy, more assisted in the erection of barricades. We honor his service and that wraps up episode 86 thank you so much for taking the time to listen you can find us in itunes stitcher google play spotify we are at blogs.va.gov you can follow us on twitter and instagram at deptvetaffair for more stories and images from our community thank you so much for your time i'm timothy lawson signing off